1: strange when you're a stranger faces look ugly when you're
2: alone women seem wicked when you're unwanted streets are uneven when you're down
3: do you struggle with putting yourself first are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to wwwchrista lunacom and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on www c-r-y-s-t-a dash
1: welcome everybody to our favorite time sunday night as always global strangeness some not so strangers anymore uh getting together with the love of paranormal and spooky and everything that goes bump in the night we've expanded our team as most of you followers know it's myself we have jeremy the og we have michael and Captain Hello. Scott. <laughs> and this week we have a guest and we're all super excited to have her on. It's Helena B Scott. What can I say? How do you even introduce you? Writer, historian, linguist, medium, <laughs> uh, psychic investigator uh, and a spiritual wellness, uh, spirituality and wellness coach. So, I mean, you name it, you do it. <laughs> So really excited to get into conversation. I was just saying before we jumped on here, the last time we spoke, it was supposed to be a quick little like 15 minute um, thing. And I think we went on for about three hours and probably could have went on even longer. So the lady does it all. Get ready to be prepared, uh, to be wowed everybody. Cause yeah, she does it all. She has lots to share. So
4: <laughs> thank you. Lovely, thank you. lovely.
1: So, Helena, um, I know you want to talk about your books. You have a couple of them. You have them with us, uh, with yes. you. So if you'd mm-hmm. like to, you can uh, introduce yeah. your books. You can share where people can find you on social. We'll do it again at the end as well. So people know where to find you and follow sure.
3: So the first book um, I released an Ireland's Most Haunted House, um, I have written other books. Um, I've written up to 15, 16 other books to date under other uh, pen names. Um, but the one that I wanna to showcase today is obviously the one on Loftus Hall. Loftus Hall is Ireland's most haunted house in the south of Ireland Um, and it has a legend, a very old legend with uh, the devil in a game of cards Um, but I found that the true legend of the house is much more haunting, the true tale than the actual tale of the devil and I discovered ley lines I discovered um, it was connected to Freemasonry the Knights Templar um, so lots of things so this is the book it's quite a big book um, I call it a murder weapon. So seven pounds, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it received really good reviews from the Irish Times, from the history editor of the Irish Times. Um, it's I'll show a little bit on the inside. Um, I mean, there are videos of the book. People can go online and see it. Uh, unfortunately, this book is sold out. It was a collector's limited edition. So um, three hundred pages, silk paper. Um, the cover, I designed the book as well. So I didn't just do the research um, and write it, but everything you see here is created by me. Um, so, with a publisher, obviously, but I mean, the design, everything. So, the Loftus whole family was a Masonic family. Um, that's a Masonic
1: floor that you see right
3: there. And that for
1: me, um, even though there's nothing
3: paranormal about that picture, but it's a very important picture because this one, I'll show it again. the the shadows, the lights and the dark on the uh, ground. Um, We're talking about Freemasonry. We talk about light and dark, obviously, Um, the checkerboard pattern. But we also talk about the main character, uh, the star of the the story, Anne Tottenham, who was a girl who got pregnant out of wedlock, supposedly with the devil. Uh, And for me, she lives in the shadows between the other world and this world. And that's her. So the family's coat of arms is embossed. We have silver in the spine, um, I work very much with alchemy, so this is about the feminine, the silver, as opposed to the gold in alchemy. So, um, and in the pictures, let me just see if I can find um, some of them for you, they're full-size prints. The photography was done by my colleague, Steve Myler. Um, Steve Myler worked uh, as a forensic photographer with Metropolitan London Police and he was the head of Forensic Photography for New Scotland Yard. So what we have in common is that we both worked um, in forensics with uh, the police. I worked um, as, a, as a student when I was studying, uh, I was studying law, uh, anthropology and archaeology and history. Um, and one of the um, subjects was criminology, and for extra credit, you could once a week on the Wednesdays with um, it was a magistrate's court house number thirteen. Of course, it would be, and uh, you would uh, do the out of hours. Um, so any murders, any suicides, you would go with the coroner, certify the deaths. You know all the legal stuff. Um, and my colleague, Steve, did the photography, but in London. So we had very similar backgrounds. I mean, a lot of people refer to us as the modern Mulder and Scully, you know, from the X-Files, but in yeah. the paranormal. So, you know, pretty much. But um, I'm, I'm rambling on about this because I want to share, if I'm allowed, the um, the story of how we met. Um, Steve, Steve is not a believer, was not, I correct myself, was not a believer until he worked with me. And he was involved in the London bombings, in the tsunami as well, and um, that happened, and a lot of things. I mean, he's been a lot of times in, uh, with the police with really difficult things, you know, to photograph. Um, but we both moved to the area. Okay, I don't believe in coincidences. I moved to Ireland in 2015, the same, same year as Steve. We both moved in the summer. 2015 from abroad he was in the uk i was in spain then at the time i've lived everywhere but i was in spain then and uh, we moved to the same same village at the end of a road and in the middle is loftus hall so we're already neighbors what are the chances that two people that work in the same you know fields uh would move to this remote village of 700 people <laughs> you know so um, that was kind of eerie, but the way we met, um, I, I, I spent a night at the hall, okay? Um, I avoided it for a year because I worked with the paranormal and every time that, um, that I get involved in an investigation, uh, it becomes a bit personal, you know? It takes a little bit of a toll on you sometimes. Um, so I moved here, nobody knew me, I was starting a new life. I'm, I'm a single mom, so I have a, a son. And there was this gorgeous house, gorgeous house, abandoned house, you know, stately home, looking at me, calling me. But I thought, no, I'm not going to go there. And I avoided it for a whole year until I received an email. I received an email saying I had won a competition to stay overnight at the hall with a team of paranormal investigators. I hadn't entered a competition. Nobody knew me because I just moved from abroad. So how did they even have my email? Um, I took that as a cue that the house wanted me there. So um, I know that spirits can manipulate electronic devices. It is possible. Um, I'm friends with Steve Parsons. Uh, He was the former head of um, uh, chairman of the SPR in the UK. He's uh, written a book, Ghostology, and uh, Dr. Carl Cooper as well, Paracoustics. And they work very much in this area uh, that we can have contact from the other side through electronic devices. So it is possible. So I went and I wrote a, a little kind of write up of my my experience. And uh, just to summarize, yes, it was haunted. But for me, the most disturbing part was the land. Nobody had spoken about the land, the energy in the area. That, for me, was much more haunting than anything that was in the house. And when I got in the house, yes, there were spirits. Um, there always are. These are old homes, you know. Um, but I, in my 30 years of working with the paranormal and being a, an intuitive since I was age seven, I have never, ever encountered a spirit that was afraid, that had so much fear. A spirit that was, I, I couldn't go home. I was traumatized, I couldn't leave her there, you know? Um, and I felt that there was another spirit that wasn't letting her, this is Anne, the uh, the girl whose um, picture, uh, well picture, portrait as we assigned her, I was talking about. And um, I actually returned the next day at lunchtime because I, I felt bad for her. So I wrote a story about this and my colleague um, saw it in a paper uh, on the blog and uh, the, they put it in the blog as well. And uh, I was picking up my son from a camp or some school thing um, nearby. And as I had time to kill, I went to a graveyard because they're nice to visit sometimes, the peace and the messages that I get, you know. And sometimes in my life, there will be things that happen that draw me to a certain place, a person, a door, a house. I don't know what it means, but I have to take a picture of it. So there was a grave with the name Myler on it. I didn't know any Milers, but I took the photo and probably I would meet somebody along the line that would mean something uh, with that. So sure enough, four days later, I get a Facebook message from a Stephen Myler. <laughs> and it was my colleague uh, who had read the uh, the little story on the blog of Loftus Hall, my experience. And he sent me a message saying, look, I uh, worked with the police. I read your uh, story. I'm living in the area. I very much would like to meet with you and work with you. And that's how we met, but. uh,
1: (laughs) I love hearing that you follow your intuition like that. Cause I bet you so many people, you you have this sort of feeling, but then you just don't listen to it. But it's so, it's so cool Mm. you do and how everything lines up like that. That's so cool.
4: The synchronicity Mm. in that story is freaking amazing. Like the pure synchronicity of it.
3: Well, the invitation, the house wanted me there clearly. And uh, a series of circumstances that have, you know, since then, this was 2015, 2016, when I actually first went to the house. Now we're 2023. Um, But the house has continued to call out to me. And in fact, everybody else, it's been, uh, now it's been refurbished and it's going to be a hotel. And the manager is one of my biggest fans of my work. Uh, And initially I had a lot of issues with the house as a team of paranormal investigators there and they didn't want me there for whatever reason, Uh, they felt threatened. They didn't want me there. So I had a very hostile uh, time with that, you know, but the house has made sure that I'm the one that gets to come back. And that's quite nice. That's That's quite nice. (laughs) Well, yeah, karma, I don't know, you know, but um, I wanted to give the house a voice because for 300 years, they were telling the same story of the devil and the cards. And that was not even the real story to begin with. That was a metaphor so you know um spirits want to be heard i think and they will make themselves heard to the right people um and i think that's necessary sometimes for them to find peace for them to know what happened to them and move on you know that's i'm more of a ghost whisperer in that sense than a ghost hunter uh, i like to give them back their stories mm. yeah,
1: yeah and that's lovely to hear we do we have all kinds of uh investigating teams come on and there's a real difference. Some people are there for kind of the show or, yes. you know, mm-hmm. clickbait mm-hmm. or whatever. And then some people really have a connection with actual spirits and care about, you know, mm-hmm. the authenticity of the message and stuff. So it's always, always lovely to hear when you're actually connected for real and um, sharing an authentic story and real life stories are always so much better than, you know, the made up, you know, <laughs> you know, fun. Well. <laughs>
3: The story of the yeah yeah just let me just show you because I forgot the um the smaller version of the book um just before I go on for that so this is the paperback that's out now by the way if anybody wants to order that it's on amazon and just the size it's quite a big paperback as well so you see the the other book and this one okay it's got so less photo still
1: murder, still murder with it if you had to. <laughs> Yes, you could. Yes.
3: yes. So um, one thing that I just want to um, add to this, and and sorry I interrupted you about uh, Zach because he was in the house indeed. Um, so um, the stories about the house, I can't take credit for writing this book on my own because the house wrote it with me. So one of the things that um, as a medium, as a light trans medium and mental medium, like Lorraine Warren, very much so, Um, I have engaged in spirit writing, not really wanting to, but it's happened. And I would wake up and chapters would be written. And, you know, in the morning I would have things. I would even have notes that have led me to documents in in the archives to find documents. You know, that's something that I feel has been helped from the house for me. Uh, And just one example, because it was beautiful. It was really nice how this happened, of how the spirits helped and wrote the book with me. wanted to be heard was one of the days i was over there um we are filming taking photos and they actually shot a movie there um they shot the lodgers which has nothing to do with the story of the house um but it's a nice movie it's atmospheric it's a it's a ghost story between two brothers uh, a sister and a brother it's quite nice but anyway and they had been shooting there so when we went upstairs into the landing uh, which is one of the photos i sent you it's a really beautiful landing with one of the blue photos I think if you can show it later um that's where I met Anne the spirit of Anne at 2 a.m but we were trying to get into the rooms there and the door was locked and the owner was gone he'd left us the keys so if we couldn't get in that door that day was lost and he wasn't going to come back for the next few weeks you know so at that point I felt I feel things normally in my body and it's usually I always ask my students when I teach workshops about where the soul is okay And the soul for me is in the heaviest part of the body, which is the gut. That's why we talk about having a gut feeling. You know, I've got a gut feeling that this because knowledge arises from the bottom up. And that's your soul talking. And I had a gut feeling that I had to go downstairs. So everybody's upstairs and you see me run downstairs. I didn't know where I was going. And I walked into one of the rooms and then through that room into the ladies' drawing room and I went to the mantelpiece, and I just put my hand out, and there was a knob for the door there, the knob that was missing to open the door upstairs. So I went upstairs with the knob, I put it and everybody was like freaking out, like, wh- how, where did you find it? How did you know? I said, I didn't. They guided me there. So that's how they work with me.
1: See, and again, Follow your gut feelings or your intuition because it's magical. <laughs> it is. It is.
3: Jeremy, so, uh, sorry, I cut you off before. Oh, Michael, go on.
0: I, I have a question. You, uh, you mentioned the land. And yes. You said you had a very strong reaction to the land. Can you give us some detail on it? what did that feel like? What, what were you experiencing? You know, yeah. with respect to the land versus the house.
3: So the land has, um, I always say that we blame things on a house and we say that this house is possessed or is haunted or, you know, but houses at the end of the day, only they're, they take on the personality of those that live within, you know, I think they're very neutral places, to be honest. So, but the land. Sorry? Um,
4: All good. My wife is talking in the background. Oh.
3: I, I thought we had a, a, a an uninvited guest.
4: Oh, in, in my garage, that is a high possibility, actually, from what I've been told. But.
3: Oh, well, you never know. These Irish ghosts are
4: very
1: sociable, so.
4: I don't know what type they are, but some there's some of them are just not that light. Put it that way. No. <laughs>
3: So, sorry, Michael, going back to your question. So, uh, the land land that the house is on um, is actually one of the oldest inhabited parts of Ireland, okay? Um, So, that's significant because we've had Druids there, we've had Vikings, we've had the Knights Templar, uh, got that land. The Normans came in, all of the invaders who come in from the east, as I say, which is the element, you know, of air. Uh, If you you talk to the Druids, um, and they laugh at me because I say what is it with the land in Ireland? The elements are so present, you know, I can feel them, you know, and they gave me a giggle. And if you if you picture the map of Ireland in your head, okay, right now, just there. So the fi- the five elements, okay, which, you know, you look at Ireland and we talk about the invaders coming in for these, the air, okay. In the north, we've got the earth, Why do we have the earth in the north? Because we have the flint mines and flint is associated with Chthonic goddesses like Hakate. So it's the earth, the mother earth, the caves, the underground. In the west, we have the west Atlantic way, the wild Atlantic way, which is water because it's the Atlantic way. And in the south, we have the equator, we're getting close, it's fire. So we're getting close to the Mediterranean, the hotter lands. And in the middle, which is really interesting, We have the middle is the centre place, like the heart chakra, where the spirit is. And in the middle of Ireland, you will have the most haunted sites. So you will have Mike mcnoise the monastery, you will have uh, Kennedy Castle, Charleville, Lepp Castle, all of these. Why in the centre? There was a concept in antiquity of centre places. And this is very, very present in Ireland. So much so that when the Pope, John Paul, came here in the 1980s and he visited Clonmacnoise Monastery, he gave a speech and he referred to Ireland as the centre place, as that place being the centre place of Ireland, which is a concept that has been used since ancient times to refer to places that are thin places. But for example, Jerusalem was once the center place of the world, the navel of the world, we have on stones. okay? And uh, a variation of the on stones for the druids, uh, the earlier people here, would have been stones that we have in the land. I I do a lot of work with, people giggle, but phallic architecture, the standing stones, that are male, phallic, that pin the land that's feminine, you know, because the land is feminine. So we have in the uh, hill of Ushnash, we have a big stone in the middle, and that is the holiest place in Ireland, where all the kings came to be uh, crowned and they got their power. And they still they still you have the Hill of Tara next door as well. That's that's really the place of the kings. But the Hill of Uxnash, um, they do these beautiful celebrations. They've done it for thousands of years to celebrate um, the changing of the seasons, you know, and uh, leaving the darkness and going into the light. The darkness. Um, Island's very dark in the winter, and the Romans, when they got here, they called it Hibernia because there was nothing else to do but hibernate. It was cold. It was damp, you know. So what the Druids referred to as that period was the dark. It was the dark. It was the period where you took rest, you regrained your strength, and you made plans for the things that you were going to do. And that's also why the Knights Templar were here. They would come here. A lot of people don't understand that Ireland is very important to the Templars and all of these invaders. And the Templars worked with energy. So going back to the land, I've given a little detour so to understand. I work with sacred geography, okay, the the, the sacred places, the uh, where the heavens meet the earth, the thin places. In Ireland, for me, is one of the strongest places and can be seen as a hub of the paranormal, very much so, um, because not just the ley lines and the chakras and the old places, because it is one of the oldest places, but Ireland was once on the edge of the known world. Okay, The edge of the known world, it's the threshold. And who dominates, who reigns over the thresholds? Hecate, the goddess, Chthonic goddess. The goddess of spirits, of witchcraft, of magic, of necromancy, many other things. The elements, the sea, the sky, the air, you know. Uh, And of course, it was called Ireland after the goddess Eir, the uh, Norse goddess Eir of Healing or Eru, the Celtic goddess. So in darkness, when we are plunged in life into the underworld and we have adversity in life and we go into darkness, we go into our cave, we go there. This is alchemy again. You know, we have birth, death, and resurrection. The underworld is the threshold between the birth and the resurrection. It's the place where you go to die to be reborn, like in the mysteries, in the ancient mysteries. So Ireland is very strong in that. I, myself, and I'm going to share it here with you guys today, I had cancer in 2019 when I was here in Ireland, cervical cancer. And I had surgery as well. And I'm 47, believe it or not, but I'm 47. And uh, I've had a very difficult life, parents, things. And in Ireland, I died. And not physically. I mean, I almost died physically. But uh, I really, really died. I spent a lot of uh, time doing healing, deep healing. It will bring up these feelings in you. And a lot of people have said to me, I can't travel to Ireland. The energy is too strong. I I can't handle it. Um, because it will force you, it will kill you so that you can be reborn. So that's one of the ways that you can feel it. But for me, when I went to the peninsula, the Hook Peninsula, where this uh, house is at, I felt a pulp in my stomach. Uh, Some days I would be nauseous, throwing up, migraines, headaches. uh, Things would move, chairs, things would move in the house. It was very normal. I mean, I told my son, get used to it. It's not going to happen. They're not going to hurt you. But it's the energy we're on a ley line, and I felt that we were on ley lines um, because, for a very small place, why would you have a castle, a, a Templar chapel, another Norman castle, another one, you know, a Bronze Age burial mound, a place where they found Owen stones? This is a very very small place. We're talking about a few miles with all of this stuff, you know. So. Having been trained in in archaeology, you know, and uh, uh, this comes from the archaeologist Alfred Watkins. He wrote a book in 1925, The Old Straight Track. He was the first one to coin the term ley line. Um, Having been trained in that, and all the work done afterwards by Mitchell and Devereaux, you know, and all these great uh, men in in, in energy work, uh, I realized that there had to be ley lines uh, in that area. And the Knights Templar followed ley lines. In fact, they marked them in their buildings, and that's how they got to Jerusalem. The Camino in Spain, the Camino of Santiago, of Compostela, the Field of Stars, you know. Uh, So I said to my colleague when we were working in the book, there have to be ley lines here. This is what I'm feeling. And ley lines... Are significant and they were and i mapped them and we can get into that later if you guys want uh, i sent you guys some photos as well um and they're connected to the architecture of the hall uh, i mean that was mapping the um what you have behind you michael the uh, as above so below correct that was mapping that it was mirroring the heavens what is in the heaven is is mirrored on the earth. And that came from Egypt, you know. Uh, Egypt was believed to be the cradle uh, or the mirror of the heavens. But anyway, um, I said to him, there have to be ley lines here because of the, the energy and everything. And ley lines, um, people would build buildings on these ley lines. And what they are, are invisible energy lines. So I work with chakras a lot. For me, the ley lines are very much like the meridians or the channels that we have in our body connecting the energy points so i see them we have chakras in our body energy points in our body this is all invisible and we have the same thing on the earth and this is important because spirits spirits demons entities need energy everything is energy and there was a belief in antiquity that spirits could only move in a straight line so if you were trying to block the passage of spirits. you would build in that ley line. You would pin it like the phallic posts, like the standing stones, you would pin it. And you could actually tap into the energy of those ley lines yourself and do things with that. The church found out about that. And uh, we'll get into that later if you want as well. I uh, I wrote because I gave a, an event in the Knights Temple. Speaking,
2: speaking yeah. about the church, have you made it to the Vatican yet? Have I what? Ha- have you made it to the
3: Vatican yet?
4: Fucking
3: been Scott been
4: in the Vatican, Vatican.
3: <laughs> Scott in the Vatican. I've been in the Vatican. I lived in Italy for for two and a half years, so I've been in the Vatican. Um, but uh, well, when my father was a diplomat, not not investigating things. Uh, but I, I I have a few words to say to them. You know, uh, um, just very quickly, just for fun. Uh, if you let me, just uh, this is related to the tempers, but it was. The anniversary, the uh, 716th uh, year anniversary of the arrest of the Knights Templar on Friday the 13th. And I had so many paranormal things happen. My laptop crashed on the floor on its own 20 minutes before the presentation. So I had to give a presentation like this with no PowerPoint or anything, you know, because it died. It was on the floor. But anyway, um, regarding the Vatican, there was a document that came out from the Vatican by um, Barbara Frale who is the uh, Italian activist of the Vatican. And this document uh, that was published in 2007 supposedly was found, discovered by chance, by surprise. Oh my God, we've discovered a document that absolved the Templars, and the poor Templars were innocent for 700 years but this document was filed incorrectly and we didn't know about it. And now we're going to forgive them and, you know, absolve them and all these things. That's really wonderful. But actually it was a strategic marketing initiative by the Vatican because that document, okay, if you work with these things, um, that document was the parchment version, okay? And the parchment is called a mundum uh, in in, uh, documents, of the records of Chinon and uh, the interrogations of the Templars, but you would always in old times, and, and this was done. And we know because we have the records, you would have the draft versions, the rubric says, okay. These are the draft versions of paper. That was published in 1907 by a German guy called Finke. Okay. So what this lady, Barbara Frale suddenly discovers in 2007, Was already public in 1907 and guess what the church had said nothing nothing until 2007 but i mean you know we're losing popularity we're losing you know uh christians you know let's get some popularity back what are we gonna do well let's let's uh we found this document let's upsell the templars so i have a lot of words to um to have with the vatican at some point because um I think that they're not innocent at all. in what happened to the Templars and um, you know, I, I was baptized as a Catholic, but I think, um, and I loved by the way, father Gabriel at Morth, the exorcist for me, he was, he was, he's great. I have his book on my bedside. Um, you know, he's, who, uh, men like him should be heading the Vatican, uh, not uh, anything else, because the church has done a lot of damage, you know, uh, and it always takes advantage of things. And and to add to the Templars, this document that came out in 2007, which everybody who is a historian worth, you know, uh, who, who's a worthy historian knew this, that this was out in 1907, you know. Um, but do you know what they did? they actually made uh, 800 copies of this document and they sold it, 800 copies at 5,900 euros, so $6,000. So on top of knowing that the Templars were innocent for 700 years and making a very good use of this uh, occasion to exploit it you know, for their own purposes as a marketing initiative, they charged $6,000 each, profiting from the death of innocent men. Still, 700 years later. So that's what I'm going to say about the Vatican.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, they're a a large business with PR.
4: (laughs) I mean, me me and Scott always say, if the zombie apocalypse happens, we're going to the Vatican.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think
2: they need to turn over their library. I don't think it's right that they have it. I think the rest of the world needs to see it.
3: That's true. That's true. That's true.
2: All the Library of Alexandria is there. I guarantee it.
3: (laughs) I did a post on that, on the the Library of Alexandria in Hypatia. Her poor tragic end. You know how she ended. That, That was tragic very much. She was a woman ahead of her times, like the Templars, you know, people like that. You know, they just, uh, I think there's always, you know, if we look at Freemasonry, for example, we talk about the two pillars, you know, the church church and the state. uh, And there's always a struggle of power between one or the other. uh, And that is very much what happened to the uh, Templars. That's why they ended, you know, there was a struggle between the Philippe Lebel. He wanted to be the, the most Christian king of europe and he wanted to control the church uh and he wanted the tempers out he wanted to even merge them with the hospitalists and place himself as the head of that and even uh, dictate you know the church and tell them what to do um, and with the uh, loftus hall uh i'm talking about freemasonry because it's very very relevant um when i got there and i realized that there were ley lines of course i went through maps and i went looking at the um what had been removed or hadn't been removed you know throughout the ages and i realized that there were i had exactly um 12 markers for one of the ley lines nine for the other you need to have at least four uh, or five you know better for it to be considered a ley line Mm -hmm. Um, but then i needed and then i had another one that was coming cutting across so i had three crossing at loftus hall creating a vortex in loftus hall of course they would you know when i came into loftus hall that feeling that i feel in my stomach um i stood in the corner in one of the rooms and i felt that there was a vortex there and sure enough after i did the work there was and somebody came in with a geopathic stress you know the machines and stuff and they measured it and i was correct as well except that i used my own body i didn't use machines um but anyway going back to the ley lines and everything um as above so below happens in the house and uh those ley lines, those markers, um, obviously are mirroring something else in the sky. And this was depicted in the architecture of the hall. And it had been missed by historians for so long. Um, there's a picture that I, I sent you guys. I don't know if we can put it on a screen. It's a floor with a star in the middle. If we could draw I,
4: that out. I believe I can. Give me one second.
3: Great.
1: So that's, that's so interesting, first of all, that you're the first one to sort of put this all together and be able to prove that it's there and it's accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, You were saying that it's going to turn into a hotel though?
3: Yes, so um, it went up for sale. So they've closed for haunted tours and it's been bought uh, and now it's called Ladyville House. It's no longer called Loftus Hall. So uh, Ladyville House, there you go. Is it like a vortex
1: room or like, where is that? (laughs) So I don't know if we can make that any bigger at all um
3: yeah okay so this room okay this room is uh you've got a big star in the middle there um and there's a star within a star and another star and then within there's little clusters um on the floor right now so those clusters basically contain um an eight-pointed star and in the middle there's the cross pate of the templars And they're surrounded by crosses of the Knights of St. John as well. But that big star in the middle is important, okay? because that star, if you are familiar with uh, the Salomonic grimoires of uh, King Solomon, the Goetia and uh, the Lesser Q Solomon and all of these, and you know that Solomon built his temple using using a ring to command angels and demons uh, with seals, (laughs) That uh, particular star and what's in it uh, corresponds to one of the seals, to Duke Astaroth, the great Duke of Hell, okay? But it also matches something. It matches the Milky Way. So when I told my colleague all the markers of the uh, ley lines and to see if he could put it into a software, to see like Newgrange, Newgrange is aligned to the sun on the winter solstice, if they align to anything. Um, We were in his kitchen and it was quite an eerie moment. Because he turned around and he said, he said a swear word. Um, but he's like, you're not going to believe it. You know, and at that point, his cat darted across the room. Uh, and I said, okay, give me the date, Steve. The 31st of October. That's the day that the late lines aligned to something. And I said, okay, so what do they align to? The Milky Way. So the Milky Way is a portal. So on the thinnest day of the year, when the veil is thinnest, which the portal is more open. You know, some people say in Ireland, there is no barrier. The portal is always open. I kind of agree with that. But on Halloween Eve, we have a Milky Way alignment with the ley lines. And the Milky Way is Jacob's Ladder in Freemasonry. It's a portal, but that is the Milky Way right there, that star that you're looking at. So that was illustrating the as above, so below. And the Masons knew that because Freemasons work with that. So then I looked at the cluster of stars and I said, this is, this is I've seen this before. And I and I was correct. Um, it happened to be the emblem of the Order of St. Patrick. The Order of St. Patrick is among the top three oldest Masonic Orders in the world. And guess who are the founding the knights of this order? Two members of the Loftus family.
1: Oh, wow.
3: Yeah. And then we have a square of compass around the windows, and we have figs, and... Uh, we have lots of things, and then on the on the um, on the sides of the room, you have the uh, um, the um, the cardinal points marked. So you see the little squares on the side. Uh, so I went around with the compass, and of course they were. So this room, okay, uh, is very much like the Temple of Solomon, when you would come in and you had the gate and you had a main room. Uh, this is the room between the gate. Okay, in the Holy of Holies, which is the door right there where you cannot go in. And this would be a ceremonial room, very much so. And, of course, it's it's mirroring the whole concept of the Milky Way. So this had been missed for 300 years. For me, this is much more interesting than a game of cards and a devil. And a game of cards and the devil is Masonic as well. It has a lot to do with what the Freemasons did and the Knights Templar when they met. So...
1: Well, it's way more interesting and way more important you know and it's true it's not made up it's true so yeah when they're making this into a hotel like i'm assuming it's a building that has like here in canada there's historical buildings so you have to keep everything intact is that you know they Uh, want to take that out or is it protected somehow because what a shame
3: it's not protected actually that's a shame in ireland oh oh, no so but, but um, the manager of the hotel was following my work. Uh, my book, the big one that you saw before, um, was sold out. And because it was sold out and the libraries, it was such a valuable book, they wouldn't loan it out. She was actually going to the library all the time to read the book. And yeah. she finished reading it. She loved it. And she's been following my page for years until I went to one of the castles here one day and the manager said, hey, Helena, you're Helena, right? I said, yeah. Okay, so the manager, the new manager of Loftus Hall, uh, is looking for you because she wants to buy your book and she's one of your biggest fans and whatever. So I got in touch with her, lovely, lovely person, um, Paula, uh, Fernandez Porta, that's her name. Um, so, and we met. And uh, she showed me the mood boards and everything that was going to be going on with the hotel. And um, we're talking because we're planning to do things together there. Um, history wise, paranormal, paranormal wise, not really. But I mean, there'll be, you know, the history talks, certainly workshops, possibly um maybe the history of the hotel in plaques you know outside and inside and maybe history brochure as well um so but she came along to my lunch online and uh i mean she has said and i will take her up on that i hope i hope she keeps her word i'm sure she will that i will be the first unofficial guest once it's safe enough to enter so i will definitely be able to come back if you guys want and uh tell you what's going on and maybe we'll be even able to do a night there or something you know um but um i've seen it from the outside it looks like they're trying to keep the style of the hotel obviously on the outside um on the inside it has been changed quite a lot but they've done really good work in research and uh, while it's a modern interior it's modern but it's kind of um in the line of, of, an, of a house in the 1800s, in a way, you know, so uh, it has respected that, uh, and they're using quality materials, it's going to have a lovely swimming pool in the courtyard, which I think is going to be interesting with the energy, we'll see about that one, um, but, but it's, um, I'm excited because, like I said, houses are neutral, and when I was there in the summer, I was very worried about the spirits, because I left, for various reasons because this paranormal group came back and i didn't want to be in the house anymore um i felt that the people who were there at the time were not there with the the right intentions
1: mm-hmm.
3: and uh i couldn't do anymore you know so i left um uh, and one of the characters in the book seth uh who's very uh, crucial for the freemasons and the templars and the children of Seth, but seth is the lover of this girl so the love story is true There was a woman called Anne Tottenham, she did get pregnant uh, out of wedlock. The body, it's believed to be hers, the body of an infant was found buried in the wall, which is terrific, you know? And if one does research in Ireland, history research, we have the mother and baby homes, and there was a tradition until 1983, Women reporting these homes so getting pregnant out of wedlock. 1983, that's not so far ago, you know. Um, and they found in Tuam, uh, this other historian found 3,000 children murdered by nuns, okay? And they were buried behind the wall in a septic tank, the same way as the baby ah. of Anton Putnam. Mm.
2: By nuns? So like, hmm? Because they were out of wedlock?
3: Yes, because they were out of wedlock. And in fact, okay. I'm going to say something if I'm allowed here. Uh, they might not like me saying this in Ireland, but I am a single mother. And uh, divorce here was not allowed until 15 years ago or so. It was illegal. Okay. And as a single mother, um, I am very, very treated very badly. Uh, I have an issue uh, in courts at the moment uh, with my other half. And uh, I cannot go into details because I will go to jail if I speak about it. That's mm-hmm. how it is. So single mothers.
2: I was Catholic.
3: Catholic. Come on. I got nine kids, and yeah, it's very Catholic. (laughs) And what happens in Catholic societies? The woman has no voice. The woman loses the voice, and the woman becomes cattle, property for the man, like the children. We have no rights. We have no voice. So that is something that I want to work on because, like Anne Tottenham, I got pregnant out of wedlock myself. And I was treated very harshly by my parents who were Catholics. I was treated very harshly when I came here. Uh, my son has been picked on because he doesn't have a dad at school. And in the little village I lived in, people would, if they crossed me in a the street, they wouldn't say hi to me or they would cross the road not to speak to me. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that's acceptable because as a single parent, um, I've, Struggled and I've worked very, very hard. You know, harder than most people. It's very difficult to run a house on your own. You know, and I've brought my son is 15 now, almost 16. You know, my own. But going back 300 years ago, when this poor lady was alive, uh, you can imagine. You know, uh, what they did. It was a disgrace for the family. And what I think happened is that this lady was not locked up in the attic, as they say, or in the tapestry room where she died. Um, because this family was social. They were using the house for meeting venues for, for Masons. You know, they're not going to have somebody screaming, you know, while people are coming to the house. So she would be in her bedroom, which would have been on the second floor. In that, um, there's a picture, if we can pull it up, uh, Jeremy, please, um, of a Oops. landing. And it looks blue. Because I uh, want to mention that. Like uh, a blue uh, landing. Uh, yeah, the I, th- stair.
4: Okay. I think this is it. I, I could be wrong, but I think this is it. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure it's it
3: is that it yes that's it perfect thank you that's a beautiful picture taken by my colleague steve michael uh steve meiler sorry and um okay this this landing is significant okay because that's uh where i encountered Anne in the story i told you guys before about not being able to open a door Uh, that's where we were Um, so we were just in the landing up there and uh, I went all the way down and and came up you know Um, but uh, everything in the house has a number okay so numerology is also used Um, so if you look at the little lights here you can actually count them (laughs) there's another photo that I sent you afterwards there will be eight okay there will be eight eight is a number of resurrection and eternity we turn it on its side It's a snake that bites its tail. It's the Ouroboros. So it's resurrection, birth, death. Um, And very much uh, illustrates the the energy of the house. There is a cycle of death, birth, uh, you know, and uh, resurrection in the house. Um, But, you know, Anne would have been, her room would have been in that floor that you see there. Okay. So... She would have been probably uh, staying away uh, there. What I what I experienced, and that's why I say uh, they wrote the book with me. Um, I would sometimes in dreams or in that hypnagogic state, you know, where we're half awake, uh, half asleep, which is where we are more receptive to things from the other world, but also where we get messages from the universe and where spirits find it easier to communicate with us. Okay in a hypnagogic state and in that state we are um basically the brain waves are theta brain waves and theta brain waves, you can do a lot of meditations with them i do them and i think they're very very healing but they help to connect with your subconscious which is where you're going to get the messages sometimes from the other world and uh, spirits and uh, you know the universe and and information actually you know you're gonna maybe process information things you see and later on you know um so in that state um you can experience uh those things but um sorry where was i going with this i've kind of lost the plot here has <laughs> been a long day um oh yeah the second floor so i think uh, because I, I experienced this in dreams and I just felt it, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't dispute it otherwise. Um, that vortex that I mentioned in in the, in the room, you know, the the ley lines crossing, it was downstairs, okay, where I experienced it. But obviously vortexes don't stay only on one level. You can find them as you go up. Um, and when I first had the experience in the house and there was a paranormal team, um, I was asked, if I wanted to stay in a room on my own for a little while on on on, an, on another floor. This is like the middle floor, okay? There's another floor on top of that. And I chose um, a room that was 13, okay? For whatever reason, I chose 13. And I hated that room. I hate the dark, by the way. Uh, it's a bad thing if you're a paranormal investigator, but I hate the dark. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, I've never gotten uh, used to it. But um, I stayed in that room. It was terrifying because there was something very dark. Um, The third floor of Loftus Hall, anybody, and Zach was there. You mentioned Zach Bagans before. Uh, He had all the experiences in the top floor, uh, which is above this one. And uh, yes, well, I was in room 13. So that was next door to where he had that. There's something there, you know, and my Ah. colleague uh, I've done a podcast with him, and uh, he says that he never believed in any of this. But we were there one day at noon, and he watched the color drain from my face because I couldn't tell him what I felt was coming, you know. And I thought, we have to go, guys. We have to go. We have to go now. The house will tell you, and you have to go, you know. But anyway, in that floor, uh, when I was in room 13, I felt that I had to ask for room 7 suddenly. I don't know why. And I said, uh, do you guys have a room seven here? I need to just, just to touch it. That's all. I need to touch it. And they said, well, we do have a room seven, but you can't go in because the floor uh, has fallen through. Uh, so it's very unsafe, you know, and uh, you don't really have much of a floor left. However, why did you ask for this room? They said to me, why did you want this room specifically? I said, because something is pulling me there. I feel this is where she died. I need to touch the door. So I touched the door, and I was there for a little while, and I felt that that that's what it was. But not that room, because that wouldn't have existed, that floor. And when we actually looked at the ley lines later, and the markers and everything else, it was exactly, if you look at, this is the top floor, this is the middle one, and then the bottom one, where I experienced the vortex, the vortex, exactly, in the right place. So for me, she died there. So then I did some crystal work with a pendulum. Uh, I always have a pendulum. And uh, I was with Steve, my colleague. I was with the tour guide of the house, uh, Mary Nolan, who's a paranormal investigator, back in time, paranormal investigators. And she organized the paranormal convention in Ireland as well. Um, And the three of us, we were in the hallway that leads out to that landing where I had an experience with Anne. And I was doing a pendulum, holding my arm as well, so it wouldn't move. And I asked the question. I said, I'm going to have to ask this, forgive me, because I don't like doing that because I know, I know uh, things, you know, and it's a bit disrespectful to have to ask them, I think sometimes, but I said, Anne, did you die on this floor? And my colleague will never forget it. And it's mentioned in the podcast, the crystal work that I did, the pendulum didn't just swing a yes it swung almost out of my hand, smashing onto the wall. Wow. Yeah. So she died on that floor. And the vortex for me is very significant. And with spirits, you know, we're talking about ley lines before the vortex is basically where the ley lines meet. That is incredible energy, that incredible energy. And that's where she's felt the strongest in the house. And when I stayed overnight, I was staying outside what I think would have been her room then. The, the, the walls have changed now, but she would have been in that area. And I felt a mist around 2 a.m., just kind of hovering like that in the hallway. And then it stopped in front of me for a moment. And I remember that it was magical. And I said, Thank you. Thank you. That was Anne. That was Anne. And then and it she went up.
1: Her story told. And, and do you feel that the family murdered her? Who do you yes. Yeah.
3: Okay. So what I experienced, and I almost abandoned the project, uh, and this is why I say that I hesitated in visiting the house, uh, because, you know, uh, some people call me a ghost whisperer, um, whatever. But I experienced the pain of these people. It's not something that is pleasant. Uh, even in police investigations, where I would be able to 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 tell you know what happened to somebody or where they had died, I experienced the last few minutes of these people and the pain the actual knife going in somewhere or it's it's horrible it's horrible you know and I will have nightmares about this afterwards and that pain you cannot take that away from you you know so with Anne um, what happened was for I think it was like six months or something like that uh, a lot of times when I went to sleep I wouldn't really sleep and I used to joke with my colleague that they would visit me so I used to put two chairs next to my bed spirits don't need chairs but it was my way of saying to them I honor you. You're welcome. If you want to come to my sleep, you know yeah. it was it was just nice. But but while I was sleeping, and I really struggled uh, with this, and I told my colleague one day, I don't think I can do this. I can't do it. I was asleep, and every night the same dream for six months:
1: okay.
3: fingers on my neck, squeezing, squeezing really tight, until I could not breathe, and I could see Anne. It was like it was us, like if I was Anne in her body you know, and I could see her father and I could see what happened. And this is in the book, but I can share it if, if you're okay with this, uh, just a l- little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the last things that happens in the book, uh, and I had to edit it at the time because it was quite disturbing. Uh, I think even though I tried to write it in the nicest uh, Disney way possible, if you can, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. if you will. But um, so, I think that there was something going on uh, with Anne. She was a victim of incest at the time. She did have a lover. The lover was murdered, okay, Uh, and the lover was Seth, uh, and he would have been a descendant of the Templars. He would have been Catholic, descendant of the Templars, made, converted, conformed to the religion, to the Protestants to keep the land because they would have lost the land, they would have lost everything. Uh, we had penal laws at the time, so you couldn't be a Catholic, you would lose everything. Uh, so to keep what the family had, they had to convert. Uh, but then Freemasonry was in play then, and it was used by both Catholics and Protestants as a tool for power. And I think he was a Freemason. Um, and this story of the devil and the cards, where Masons meet... And in Templar times, and I see you, Michael, nodding. I think you know where I'm going with this. They uh, they would have used tokens to know who was a brother and who was, uh, you know, who wasn't. And cards, um, sometimes I think they would have been used in antiquity. But certainly in the 1800s, 1700s, tarot cards were used often to begin a meeting with the Masons. They would o- open a meeting with a spread of cards. Now, the Masonic, um, I have it behind me. The Rider Waite, these are all my tarot cards. I have more, but uh, <laughs> so this is the one that I used in 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 the book, um, the tarot and the Rider Waite, uh, or sorry, Waite Smith. Let's just uh, Pamela deserves credit here, Pamela Coleman Smith. It's a deck uh, designed by members of the Golden Dawn. Um, so they were Rosicrucian Freemasons, and uh, I love. A. Wait, I love his work. He's a great scholar of the Grail as well. Um, again, I have his books on my bedside. But this this deck was important because it set the blueprint for all of the other decks. And it was based on a, an Italian deck called the Sola Busca. It's one of the earlier decks. Um, and A. weight made the images, basically. Well, made the images. He told Pamela, what should be on the major arcana, the major arcana, the secrets, and she was left to design the uh, the ma- minor arcana to her will, pretty much. But the the major arcana had to follow A. U. 8s instructions in the very, very Templar Masonic. What's on the cards? You know, very, very. I mean, if you know the mysteries, if you're interested in mysteries, um if we have, uh, if we can pull the cards out for a moment, there's a picture um, because there's a story with this. Again, this is how the spirits...
1: Okay. There's a picture uh, of a spirit. Uh, a tarot card? tarot card, taro card, you mean?
4: Yeah, uh, uh Give me one second. I
1: saved that one.
4: Yeah, I saved a bunch of them. I didn't know which ones we were going to go through. I just through. I know I oh,
2: so being being close to Halloween, do you do you celebrate Halloween or Stalin or...
3: I normally celebrate it, yeah. I mean, I tend to go and pick uh, another uh, haunted venue or castle and stay over with my son, and then it it tends up to be work more than celebrating for me always, but but yeah. Um, This year, though, I'm working on the books of the Templars, so I might not, uh, and I'll probably have to go to the radio, I imagine, as well. Um, So this year I'm doing a lot of things. I got
1: it. Yeah. Is
4: is Is that the picture you're looking for?
3: No, I, I don't see a picture. It just oh, says global strangers. Uh, maybe um, it hasn't come on.
4: I'm sharing. Wait, hold on.
3: I don't see it either, dude. No. Why is it not? All
4: right. It was showing a second ago on my screen. Now it's not showing at all. I don't get it. All right. Hold on.
3: Friday the 13th in the eclipse. It's, yeah. still, it's still affecting all of us. It's a.
1: And new moon. New moon? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on
3: this weekend. <laughs> I still don't understand. I mean, a laptop fell on the floor. Can you imagine that? And it happened 20 minutes before my event. So I couldn't prepare. That's it. You... Thank you. Okay. Awesome.
4: I, don't, I awesome. think it's because I, I had two pictures open. I think it's why I was to show them last time. But
3: Yeah. No, that's, this is, okay, so this is important. You'll see where, where I'm going with this. Besides the fact that there is like an X there, and the X is uh, one of the Templars' motifs. But um, so this is a deck of cards that I've just shown you. This is actually this one from here, okay? Why am I showing you this? Well, when I was writing the book, my colleague said, "How how is the um, book going to be structured? How many chapters are we going to have? And I said, I don't know. I will find out at some point, they will tell me. And one day I woke up in the morning and I called him, I said, Steve, Steve, we're gonna have 15 chapters and it's cards, Major Arcana, one to 15 in order. They actually tell the story of us researching the house and the characters. And I didn't realize this at the time. This is, you know, you discover things when you work on paranormal and psychic um, investigations as time goes by you discover more things i think it's because it takes quite a while for your soul to process things you know uh, or your human brain to process things from the soul but one to 15 okay so that's 15 cards right one and five is six isn't it and card number six is the lovers so the lovers is Anne's card it's associated with maternity with the lovers obviously a, a female nurturing energy that's the card of the of the woman here who gets pregnant out of wedlock and is murdered okay and i feel that this was given to me by Anne, the 15 chapters and what's interesting is and we didn't do this on purpose okay whenever she's mentioned in the book um this is in a collector's edition not the paperback okay that was the original book that i did uh, whenever she's mentioned or her lover she tends to end up on pages whose numbers add up to six. Sorry, when she's mentioned and when there's a photo that comes up with her. So either the photo is number six or the photo numbers add up to six or the page, which is very eerie, I think. I think it's not by chance, you know. No, I love synchronicities
1: Um, and they 100% have meaning, 100%.
3: And even, even her grave, you know, her grave, um, the monument is listed as 166. And not only that, um, and before I we take this this photo off, okay, now this is really funny. My colleague Steve is wonderful. He's a great photographer. He took this in his own house. And he went home. I gave him the, my set. I said, go find, have fun with him. You know, go see what you do because he didn't believe in this, you know. So he takes them home and uh, he does his photo afterwards. Um, and he doesn't know anything about tarot cards. And sorry, Steve, forgive me for saying this, you know. But when I see it, I'm just like, how? What? You know, this is called the Golden Dawn spread.
4: Just like Scott, just like Scott, know nothing about tarot cards, right, Scott? <laughs> I'm
2: pretty. I'm pretty badass with the tarot cards. If I do say yeah. it so myself. <laughs>
1: no.
3: Yeah. So, what do you think about this, Scott? Because um, I think that the tarot, like Carl Jung, used the tarot a lot to connect with the unconscious and the archetypes, um, and obviously a lot of the characters there. Are the archetypes and, and the characters of the house like the empress is the house we have the emperor who's the tyrant dad of Anne who murders her you know um, the priestess um, it's the, the priestess between the two pillars who is often identified with Mary you know Magdalene or a priestess you know or the, the divine feminine energy Shekina, the energy of the land the feminine I, energy of the land so what do you think of all this
2: I actually don't my wife does tarot cards, I won't even let her give me a reading. I figure if uh you know, just don't don't fuck around with stuff you don't know about and I don't know about tarot cards, so right. I gave Deborah and uh Jeremy a reading. I think huh? they had pretty bad luck. It was bad cards they got. But. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't play with stuff I
4: don't know. I've had like 10 tarot readings and that literally was like the one that made the, mo- the least sense in my life. So, you know.
1: I have <laughs> tarot cards pretty much every day. <laughs> so I do. I-, I do love using them. Well,
3: I, I yeah. mean, I find them um, useful for when I'm doing an investigation and when I'm working with somebody. Sometimes I'll just pick one card out. And a lot of times it will guide me you know, um, or maybe the archetype in the card itself, you know, Uh, who am I seeing, what story, what myth lives in this card that lives in this person, you know. Um, But this was another of the gifts that was given to me by the house, and uh, there is no question that they wrote the book with me. So,
0: Helena, what does this uh, display mean? What does this arrangement of cards mean?
3: So this display was just the 15 chapters of the book right there. So the 15 chapters in order. So we could, uh, and my colleague decided to put it, to arrange it like that, not knowing that this was an actual spread of the Golden Dawn who produced these cards. So that was just really random, you know, uh, that he would have arranged them by chance like that. No. But that's the Order
0: of Golden Dawn, wasn't that also Aleister Crowley's uh, organization? Yes. Yes, Yes.
3: it's interesting that you say that because I went to a uh, masterclass on uh, esoteric freemasonry uh, the other day, which is what Alistair Crowley did, Uh, Thelemic uh, freemasonry, uh, everything with Thelema, which is what he set up once he left uh, the Golden Dawn. So uh, the Golden Dawn was set up by three Rosicrucian freemasons um, and Alistair Crowley joined later. W.B. Yeats, which a lot of people don't know, was also a member of the Golden Dawn, okay? Um, And a lot of women that were very influential at the time, and many of them were involved with theatre. So women we would have, like Annie Horniman, uh, Florence Farr, who's my favourite, who ended up running the Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh, She worked with Egyptian ceremonial magic, very much like Alistair Crowley. And Crowley, when he joined, he was very young, and there was a rivalry that developed between him and W.B. Yeats. W.B. Yeats is a great poet. I love his work. His poems, by the way, are not poems. They're actually incantations. That's why he reads them in such an interesting way. And the place, um, he wanted to set up a mystery school with Maud Uh, and that didn't happen, but they did something really interesting that Crowley liked. And I want to bring that to, uh, to, um, uh, to the program. If I, if I can talk about that. So Crowley, was very very quick in learning, uh, great gifted magician, and I think he did some great things. I mean, the Toth tarot, you know, or, or, or Thoth, you know, however you want to say it, based on Tehuti, the Egyptian god uh, of alchemy. That's a great tarot. That's that's a really interesting. If you look at the the images for meditation. And um, some of the concepts of, of esoteric Freemasonry and Thelemic uh, Freemasonry, for example, the alchemical marriage, which is a sacred sex union, uh, I really believe in that. Uh, and that comes, you know, uh, that's that's the main core of Thelemic uh, Freemasonry and esoteric uh, Freemasonry. And um, there's a woman, if I can show her book, actually, uh, this lady here, American, Ida Craddock, so this book is called sexual outlaw uh, erotic mystic so I, read I that. Read it. you read that
4: oh yeah,
3: so, oh, that, that, like that,
4: yeah that, that title sells me right away That how it sells
2: me <laughs> oh, of course jeremy did of you're, ta- course you're
4: talking jeremy to a man did. who has a comic suit for like i was living room bookcase
3: so oh well then you should check out my bookcase and my upcoming books so <laughs> I work with women's mysteries, and I'm currently with the Templars. Um, Everything is reading back to the ancient rites of the uh, fertility goddesses and the alchemical union with the sun and the moon, you know, the sovereignty of the land that was passed on to the king through a sacred sex ritual. So Thelema and esoteric Freemasonry is very much about that. So it's a transformation, an alchemical transformation through sex. And this lady, um, her work was featured in the Equinox, the Equinox was the magazine that Alistair Crowley had, and he loved her work. And it's interesting because she talked about astral sex and she talked about this is very progressive for the time. OK, she was actually committed suicide because they were going to jail her for this. And she talked about having an angelic marriage, which is very nice. Uh, she was married to a ghost, an angel, whatever you want to call him. But, you know, she was married to him and she had sex with him. And this is what Maud Gone and WB Yeats did. They had astral sex back then. That, but actually, the Egyptians did too. Is there, huh?
4: Isn't that called, um, fuck, Spectro something or other? Fuck.
3: Yes, Ecstasy. Yes. Yes, yeah. something like that. Yeah, there's lots I, of names. I did, yeah,
4: I did, I did an episode with a former porn star on my show who's into that now.
3: <laughs> really? Is that no, what porn stars do nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> Get into sacred. It. Johnny G, he,
4: he was into spectral analysis, what the hell it's called. Uh, he was spectral oh. sexual ghosts. I It well, was the weirdest, weirdest episode I ever did in my life.
3: <laughs> okay, so uh, I I might give you guys a uh, a sneak preview here or something that I'm working on, which is um, going to be part of my work um, and is very much connected to the Knight's Temper, the Cathars, Gnosticism, uh-huh. um, even Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Hey, you know, I'm going to throw it all in. Um so I have been doing research into this and um, the paranormal is very much connected to uh, our senses. And sex is one of the most powerful energies in the world, you know. Um, and if you can tap into that with the chakras and with ley lines, you know, that's a whole different ball game. And that's what the Knights Templars were doing. You know, and that's why they were invincible in battle and they were healing themselves. And, you know, they didn't uh, age. You know, they didn't seem to age. I mean, people, you know, yesterday somebody freaked out in the jacuzzi in the hotel because you can't have a 15 year old. I'm 37. How old are you? I said, I'm 47. I'm almost 50. (laughs) And they didn't believe me. But I've worked with energy, with tantric energy all my life. I think it shows. So I never get sick. I did have cancer. Cancer's gone. Uh, so I had surgery that was it and if you know how to work with energies and you tap into the air chakras as well and you use kundalini energy sexual energy which is what these people were doing uh it wasn't you know sex for sex or just for orgasms or whatever uh which um by the way this is going to be funny but I mentioned the sovereignty of the land and the priestess is having sacred sex the word orgasm where do you think that comes from or what it, what it meant, because it was a word that existed in ancient times. So priests would represent the goddess having sex with the king, okay? And that was the sacred union. They would pass on the sovereignty of the land to the ruler. They would anoint him, which is what Mary Magdalene did with Jesus, the whole anointing. And the washing of the feet of Jesus is none other than the preparation for the sacred sex ritual, okay? Um, but... What's really interesting is um, that they believed that the crops and the land and so on was fertile by this ritual. So an orgasm was actually the word used to refer to a fertile plot of land. So when you're having an orgasm, you're having a fertile plot of land, you know? <laughs> it's, it's
1: interesting. Hey, so,
4: i know Scott's g- I know Scott's gonna ask this eventually anyway. So I gotta ask- Go What do you think about the thousands of Bigfoot erotica stories on Amazon?
3: The thousands of what?
4: Big, Bigfoot yeah. erotica.
2: Bigfoot erotica. I was, I was going to ask about that, Jeremy.
3: I've not come across that, but, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I will I'll, don't know if I would be able to finish a story reading without giggling, but uh, that's interesting. Honestly, Jeremy's you- been through them all.
4: No, that's a lie and a half. I, I wish.
3: But, I've never heard of that. That's
4: hilarious. If you read the best hour ones, they're actually well-written.
2: Really?
3: See, See oh, what I, I to mean? To He's done out. them all. He's done them well, all. What I, what I can give you a sneak preview of my work, which is going to... I don't know how... I mean, again, I'm guided here. I'm the messenger. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm following orders, but my work keeps taking me back to sacred sex, thelema, esoteric, uh, freemasonry, all these things which are very, very much connected. And they were very much connected to this house. I think masonic rituals took place in that room that we saw before uh the energy certainly speaks about it you know uh whether or not this girl was uh, raped or not uh, as part of it i don't know uh, but the energy there is is undeniable but part of my work is going to be uh bringing some of that back and i'm actually using myself as a guinea pig uh so i'll let you know i've ordered some spike spikenard from the holy land uh <laughs> i've ordered quite a few things oh yeah and uh, I am I want to feel what these women, what these priestesses felt if I'm writing about them. So, right. and I think there's a lot of, I mean, I work with history, bringing history back into the, the present because we can do so much. The ancients knew so much. They could read auras. You would go to a temple and you'd have your aura read, you know, because we're mind, body and spirit. You know, nobody does that. You go to the doctor now and the most, maybe they'll ask you how you're feeling, but they don't care about your spirit. And, and you need the three things for, for harmony, you know, for health, you know, so um, part of my work keeps taking me there in history. So, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into it. And um,
1: that's awesome. But I just have a question, though. So when you're talking about self healing and all that, what about trans? You know, I don't know if you're uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he does the, you know, transcendental Mm -hmm meditations and stuff, and you do healing of the body, using the energy. And so is that kind of the modern day, you know, version Um, of that? I
3: I work with something um, that's a little bit different. And I would dare say that I might have coined the term myself. Um, So I do something that is called soul archaeology. And soul archaeology, I I like to use that term to describe it because I work with the chakras, but I work with the archetypes as well. I think it's very much what Jung wanted to do, but he started on it and then he died and he didn't really progress. Now, a lot of psychologists will work with the myths and the archetypes. Um, But Jung did a lot of work with the chakras, uh, and he has a lecture in 1932 in Munich um, just talking about Kundalini uh, and the chakras and everything else. So soul archaeology, for me, when I heal people uh, with energy um, and meditations, um, I do shamanic ancestral uh, meditations as well. So I will, for example, put on a track. This is something people really like in my workshops. And I'll guide them into meditation, um, and they tend to be interactive meditation. So people will go. We're walking into a forest. The forest is basically the uh, the subconscious, you know, the what or the soul, if you wanna if you wanna call it that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then they will look into a lake sometimes, and the lake sort of tends to reflect the things that people, the shadows, the the fears that they don't want to look at. I mean, this is all uh, based on the psychology of Mary Woodman, uh, so you know it's very good but then like video games that we used to play you know monkey island and things where you get a treasure and you get it you know uh i used to love it uh you get tools and things and whatever so people will be given gifts so we go to a cave we open a box and everybody will have a different gift and then we discuss it in class and it's amazing what people find because it's always very relevant to them you know And it gives them a lot of insight on on what they have to uh, change in their life. And it gives us, I mean, I can look at a person right now and know, you know, um, after I talk to them a little bit, you know, uh, what chakras, because I will look at them and what chakras need balancing just by the energy that I'm feeling from them. And often those chakras will be tied to an archetype. So for example, I have a patient from Florida um, who I met a year ago. She is a, darling girl um but she had lupus um she's bipolar she had uh, severe clinical depression um you name it she had it you know um and she had been abused as well a lot you know and um she struggled a lot with sexuality as well so when i talked to her i said she's very intuitive she's very connected to the spirit uh she's pagan Um, and she was telling me so her throat chakra is great you know her brow chakra is great connection with spirit but the physical chakras she was very much struggling to say no to people she was struggling um she was struggling with her self-confidence she was struggling sexually as well that's the physical chakras okay so we can look at the body they're invisible upper lower upper have to do with spirit as above so below here we go again (laughs) The physical have to do with with the body, with our existence on this plane. In um, the physical, um, for her, I noticed that the physical tend to um, affect people with um, depression, anxiety, uh, willpower. That's a solar flex- plexus. So this girl was very much a caretaker. And I made her read with me the story of Persephone and when she gets taken to uh, the kingdom by Hades. Now, Persephone has two sides. She has the Maiden, the Spring, the Youth. Then she has a very scary side as well, you know. That's
4: a dark ass story to go with.
3: (laughs) I know, I know. Well, my Persephone Maiden, who is lovely, uh, has turned into a real seductive corey. And, uh, you know, and she's engaged now. And she's turned her life around in less than a year, and she'd been referred to me by a friend. Now I'm not charging her a penny at all. So, and this is my offering to the goddess Hecate, so to charge uh, to to help another sister. So I see her free. But uh, for me, it's it's been a joy to see somebody turn their life around like that, and see somebody that couldn't even tidy their bedroom, or get out, or have a shower. You know, um, made up with her mom get engaged, have her house tidy, you know, all these things. Uh, Get into spirituality now. She's looking to become a druid of all things, you know. So um, spirituality is very, very, very important in healing. And trans meditations, I've done a lot with her of these journeys which involve the theta brainwave state because you're using binaural beats. So you're working with theta brainwave uh, frequency, which is the frequency that trans mediums use. And that's working with your heart chakra as well, because we say that the theta brainwave frequency is the frequency of the heart. Uh, the waves have been measured and actually green. And the heart chakra is the uh, invisible bridge to the other world and our world. But it was what was used for astral travel. It's uh, the, uh, the heart chakra is connected to the astral layer. So... It's a gateway, you know, and the Egyptians were very, very proficient in this. Um, again, in my talk with the Templars, I talked about different hieroglyphs. I'm a member of the Egypt Exploration Society. And in Egypt, uh, we have medicine and magic are one. And the, um, the Egyptians had two hieroglyphs for heart, okay? They had a, a spiritual heart, which was the ib, ib. And it looks like a little container, a vessel. Which is very much what the heart chakra is a vessel. And then they had the physical anatomical heart uh, of flesh that we have beating in our bodies, uh, which was the Hati, the head of a lion and the paws. Okay. Um, and how do we know that they worked with the heart chakra and theta brainwaves and astral? This is really interesting because you look at the pyramid text and you look at the hieroglyphs and you look at the drawings. Probably all of you guys are familiar with the weighing of the heart ceremony where you see the scales, yeah. And Anubi's leading uh, the deceased into the judgment. They're going to see if their heart is heavier than the feather, right. the feather of heart. i got
4: to ask, if you're bringing that up, Go have, you re- have you read Neil Gaiman's American Gods?
3: Yes, I have, and I have the DVD as well. I love Neil Gaiman. I have Neil Gaiman
2: is him. the, he has got to be the best audiobook narrator I've ever heard.
1: hmm mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm.
2: His, uh he did the um the the Norse mythology book too. That was awesome. Yes,
3: yes, he did. And actually he did another book. If you let me go get it. It's a bit naughty, but since we've been on something naughty.
4: Oh, we are naughty here, so go ahead. And, and <laughs> Deborah, you. Do you, Deborah, do you want to learn some tricks from uh, Helena?
1: Sorry, say that again.
4: Do you want to learn some, some tricks from Helena? Just saying uh bring this, bring the sex magic to Canada. <laughs>
1: Oh, there's some sex magic already in Canada. Don't you worry. <laughs>
4: oh, I got to go carry that shit. Have you,
1: have you guys read this one? The Sleeper and the <laughs> Spindle. Mm. So it's a
3: beautiful book. It's it's beautifully illustrated. Um, and it's basically the Sleeping Beauty story, uh, except it's erotic and made uh, into a lesbian story. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Quite interesting. <laughs> It's by Neil Gaiman, but it's it's a beautiful book. I have it in my bedroom as a book. Of course, uh, you know it looks um, very innocent, but it's not.
2: (laughs) So yeah, uh, he does the best narration I've ever.
1: Yeah, he's
2: anyone on Audible.
3: He's one. He's one of my favorites. um, And um, Neverwhere, and uh, it's just uh, nonstop. He's 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 really amazing.
2: He did some of the Sandman series, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Of
3: course. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his Pretty sister, Death. And, uh, oh, that's lovely. I used to be a goth, so I love all of that stuff. <laughs> I'm still a goth. Always a goth, once a goth, you know. But uh, uh, you never grow out of that.
1: Okay, cool. so,
3: so what do you think uh,
2: about the... Uh, the like the thing they're doing in England with like the map mapping out DMT world does that tie into anything? Uh, or have you ever messed out, with that?
1: Part of this No,
3: what are they doing exactly?
2: So I think I think it's Cambridge, but they're giving people high dose DMT trips, but they're it's through really? an IV, so it's for like uh, thirty minutes to an hour long, and uh-huh. they're mapping out whatever place you go to.
1: I think it's like a shortcut to astral projections or remote viewings. Mm-hmm. It, it's the drugs project you into that state. Mm. So then people are well, doing meat and they can, you know, actually map out. Um, and if it's the,
2: the
1: same information, then it's, you know, legit. So they're kind of verifying it that way.
2: Well, I think that's like the DMT naturally releases from your, your body through all that it does through meditation,
1: right? Yeah. So, so this so is good. kind of fast tracking it with a drug, right? To stimulate that yeah. release.
3: So I don't, I'm not familiar with what they're doing in, in, in the UK with this, but I can comment two things on this that I would say. Um, and I have friends and people that I know that work with ayahuasca and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, um, there's a historian and journalist called Paul Devereaux. He's British. Uh, he has a great uh, site and he works with sacred uh, geography. And he did a lot of work in South America. Um, on the uh, Nazca lines, the famous uh, landing strips for aliens, not. So uh, he discovered uh, pottery fragments um, in caves nearby. And he his theory, which I agree with, is that the Nazca lines were actually lines to guide the shamans when they were flying back. Across the land and coming back from their trips um, because they found a body of fragments and they found uh, what seemed to be plants uh, hallucinogenic plants on the uh, fragments that they would have taken to take these these trips so that's one thing yes drugs have been used for that however if we're really talking about astral astral is connected to the heart chakra always okay we have seven main chakras and seven layers uh, of the aura of subtle bodies right and the heart chakra is the astral layer and that's how the egyptians also they travel with that and so on you know what i was talking about with the feather before and everything um if you're working with your chakras to do astral travel which uh, for me is the only way uh and you're working with drugs we've got a problem here because you cannot drugs affect the chakras They affect grounding. Uh, People forget about all these things, but you need to ground because you need to be anchored to the present moment uh, because this is where all the paranoias and psychological issues happen afterwards because people are not grounded and they're working with substances and they're not, you know, they're fast-tracking as you say, but fast-tracking for me is like junk food nowadays. It's not good. Mike, give you a nice... Do you experience. feel every experience. once in a while? You know, I mean, I'm not trying to convince anybody not to take drugs or to take drugs. But what I'm saying is, if we really want an authentic, authentic astral experience as it should be, I wouldn't do it with drugs. You know,
1: and, and I'm pretty new to all of this, but my sort of take on this is. Um, you do it through meditation, like you practiced Mm -hmm. grounded, like you say, and you also know when negative energies come, how to lift yourself of that, or you know. So when you're fast tracking, if there's something, if there's something scary, I mean that's traumatizing. I think. So Uh, of course it is about that I mean, fast tracking that, and then it's some terrifying experience. So personally,
4: personally, as someone who does Reiki, and. Like I do Reiki stoned because mm-hmm. I think it opens me up more. Mm. I feel more. I feel more of my spirit when I'm like that than I do when I'm sober. So
3: maybe I mean you know, but I've come across a lot of people that have had really bad uh, experiences. And the thing is, uh, any substance, even uh, a Tylenol, will affect your chakras. You know. Uh, So you've got to, if you're working with chakras, bear that one in mind. You're not going to be able to control things as well. Um, The other thing that I'll throw in the mix here that nobody's considering, and I have to speak about this since I'm now priestess, according to the Irish press, they call me a priestess, uh, and I'm working with sacred sex and all these things, it's that actually sex leads into trance and leads Mm -hmm. into astral travel itself. People. And that has no uh, secondary side effects. And uh, so... Make love, not war. <laughs> what can I say?
2: Well, sometimes you can get some diseases and stuff. So Okay, yes, okay. <laughs> you know, but I'm talking Just about saying. with your
3: partner, you have a stable relationship, you know who you're sleeping with, and it's not sleeping, okay? This is where you get into tantric sex and things like that. You know, it's, it's a whole different uh, ball game. But I've experienced moments that I honestly found it very hard not to slip into trance after I'd had a very intimate moment, uh, you know, sexually. And it was very, very kind of frustrating because I didn't want to go into trance, you know? So just putting that one out there.
1: (laughs) We lost him. He's running away. (laughs) I scared him. This next talk.
2: I'm I'm here. I'm listening. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) Who play doing? I'm doing stuff. I'm listening.
1: Yeah. Well, I still feel like it's safest to do this Mm -hmm. slowly and surely. You know, build up through meditation, your skills, and whatever, and then into it that way. But that being said, I'm a real baby when it comes to well, drugs. Done any even wine or whatever? I wouldn't mess around um, Mm -hmm. trying to connect with spirit. If I've had a glass of wine or anything, I'm very Clear-headed when you're doing it, very clear-headed. So.
4: Well, according to Debra, sacred sex already exists in Canada. So you know.
1: I <laughs> <Why> wouldn't
3: really. <laughs> it's a huge. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll probably get kicked out of Ireland or maybe burnt at the stake. But I'm gonna yeah. have to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> promoted in Ireland so um, Deborah I want to pick up on something that you said which is awesome as always um, what you said about uh, wine and spirits and things Um, so something that completely traumatized me here uh, in Ireland is um, some places have these um, wining and dining things and you know and they make sort of you know spirit sessions or kind of lockdowns or whatever people having dinner and drinking uh, and you probably now, when I'm saying this, are understanding why I'm saying this, but uh, you cannot ground and protect with alcohol in your body. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. And spirits are called spirits because, of uh, spirits, because when you're in that state and you go to a pub, it's very easy for a spirit to just hitchhike a right through you. So, you know, uh, it's not that you can't go out and drink and you think you're going to bring something home with you um uh, but there are ways and, and ways of doing this you know uh but a lot of people who hang in bars they will bring things with them home you
4: know i mean just typical
2: See, t- this typically, is why i don't i don't do tarot cards and t- safe t- than sorry
4: Christ. typically scott i mean i think mm-hmm. in america if we go out to for spirits at a bar we're hoping to bring them home with us i mean whether <laughs> whether, oh, whether it's actually like I think <laughs> But so then
1: we to her out the next morning and get her out. <laughs> Dep-
4: depends how much it was sacred or not. Goddamn, Deborah.
3: But okay, okay. So a different kind of um, hitchhiking uh, or, or, or hitch riding. Um, not so much in a bar, but let's talk about hospitals because that happens in hospitals. Uh, and again, it's because you're not grounded and you're not controlling your chakras. So when you go and have surgery and you get anesthetics, mm-hmm. and you're drugged, and in that state, oh, that's like a free pass. See,
2: I don't do hospitals either. <laughs> Scott,
3: Jeez. you're very, very sane here. I think you're the most <laughs> Scott of all of us.
1: Oh
4: Scott breaks his arm, he's like, oh, she's a scratch.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's playing very, very
3: I'm <laughs> impressed, Scott.
1: They well, my, up. my problem is never mind the spirits, but I'm I'm a bit of an empath, well, a bit a huge empath, and so it's the human yeah. emotions I take on too. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, that's yeah. the most frustrating thing for me that I've been learning, you know, learning mm-hmm. about, learning how to deal with. But so bars and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of all kinds of emotions and low vibrational whatever going on because everybody's you know loose and whatever, not grounded like you're saying. So, yeah,
3: I find Stay it hard you know um it's not that i'm anti social you know but i really don't uh, like going into bars um, yeah me too me too
1: for I that reason say,
3: you know and i do like enjoying a nice drink i mean i was having a templar beer uh before we got on here um, which is something that i'm going to be involved with actually because i've created a, a medieval wine or rather resurrected from the dead uh,
1: nice. a wine
3: that was yeah. drunk by templars but um I, there's something about you know going to places with a lot of people. Even when I go downtown or shopping, I always tell people um, to protect. And imagine you're wearing an armor of lead. You know, I think that's one of the most protective things. You know, or um, a lot of people do this wrongly and I, uh, surround themselves with the bubble of white light. Please, you know, indigo or blue, purple light, not white light. Um, there's a lady book I have. Uh, where is it? Uh, Spirit release. Here it is. Sorry, if I can show it for a minute. This is written by Sue Allen. Uh, Sue Allen was a teacher, I think, almost 30 years at the London College of Psychic Studies, where I'm a member. Oh. Uh, I was trained and uh, I've been in talks with the college teach there myself. So they've said yes. So I'm going to be a lecturer and a teacher at the famous London College of Psychic Studies. That was my dream since I was a little girl. So uh, that was last week uh, that I was talking to them. Uh, possibly Knights Templar, Freemasonry, esoteric uh, things and ancient energies. Uh. Oh, shit, we, we need that
4: We need that in America. We need those classes in America, like, come on.
3: Well, I do them online, guys. So help me come get on. the word out, you know, because I, I teach all of these things online. Uh, I have actually now an event, Eventbrite, um, some uh, workshops on negative energy. Cord cutting, you know, um, uh, clearing energy. And the white light is one of the things that I say because when you guys, you will probably know when you go to a haunted house, uh, and if you're lucky, they do any grounding or protection, uh, these guys. And they always say, surround yourself with a bubble of white light. And at that point, I leave the building like Elvis, you know, because I'm just like, this is nonsense. A white light is going to attract every kind of entity in the building to you it's like having a neon sign saying hey Open, yeah. come and possess me so we do we do purple if you believe in protection we would do purple or indigo like uh Sualen's book says because that cloaks your energy from negative entities so you can still interact with spirits that want to interact for the highest good or who are human and uh, who are once human and don't mean any harm, what we call the uh, non-dark force entities, you know, spirits of the light, but you're cloaking yourself from the ones that are not there to do any service for humanity and our demons and mm-hmm. dark forces and so on. Uh, I think that's very important to know that, you know.
1: My greatest thing is... You know, I don't understand why this isn't taught in schools. You know, if and think of how big religion,
4: Deborah, big religion.
1: Well, it and uh, politics and uh, you know whatever. But my gosh, could people really run their lives different if they knew how to rid themselves of blocks and negative and energies? But-
4: then they wouldn't be tools in the aluminized machine, Deborah. Come on,
1: <laughs> Well, I understand there's a purpose behind not teaching this and keeping it away from people, but my gosh, could this change everything?
3: There is, and, and, and there isn't. Um, so... Just drawing from Freemasonry here, there's an expression, hoodwinked. Uh, When a person comes uh, to become a Freemason and and they enter as an entered apprentice, uh, uh, it's said of that person that they're hoodwinked, that they have a blindfold on, because they're not really experiencing the world as it is. Uh, Now, I've had a few Kundalini awakenings, so I know the person I am today and the things that I feel and see, even right now talking to you guys, I wouldn't have five years ago because I was more hoodwinked than I am now. Um, this is this happens to most people, uh, and unfortunately, what's very sad is that they're getting, let's say, a ten percent of the real experience of life. And they could be having, they might still have the same problems, they might still have issues with their parents or not have a partner or whatever. But by Not being hoodwinked and and perceiving messages from the universe, seeing things in a different way, uh, because they're there, you know, at that level, they have, you know, they have more insight, you know, Um, their experience of life would be much richer and I think would give them the tools to overcome depression, to possibly attract better people into their lives you know uh, you and while it choose might
1: choose a better life you can choose yeah
3: well life. it might not make them a millionaire instantly but actually it can lead to a lot of things uh you know and maybe they do end up there but it, most people and this maybe is for discussion most people uh tend to have affairs or quit their jobs or look for a new house when they feel like they're not satisfied with something they feel like there's something missing in their lives you know and when they do that It works for a while. The new girlfriend is cool for a while. Or the new mistress or whatever. But then they feel the same way again. That whatever they found that was quenching their hunger or thirst no longer satisfies them. Why is that? Because they're not in touch with their souls. And they're not in touch. It's not about religion or going to church or going to God. God. It's about seeing the bigger picture and actually living life. Living life properly.
4: Well, I mean, boys get old. Toys get old.
1: Huh?
4: Toys get old. I mean, that's just a fact of life. From when you're a kid to when you're an adult. <laughs> I mean, you buy you buy a new Xbox. You're going to play it like hardcore for a couple months, and then you're going to like play it like once a month when you have time.
3: Maybe, uh, but for example, my life is not is not perfect. You know, I have a lot of uh, things that I wish I could change. You know, from parents to things. I raised my son on my own. You know. Um, Amen. Amen. But, but this is uh, the guy
2: we're I, dealing with. He's gonna quit the podcast here pretty soon.
3: No,
1: he's
2: already tired of us. Uh, <laughs> uh, about
4: Mike. Mike ain't gonna quit the podcast. He loves us. That's, that's great. This
2: is <laughs> I wasn't talking about Mike. <laughs>
4: uh, I ain't quitting the podcast anytime soon, brother. I I helped you start this thing. I don't quit podcasts, I strong
1: hard. for over a year. We love each other. We're not nobody's quitting.
4: So Debra, which Debra one? Canadian jail to get me out
2: this podcast. Which one detracts the ghost? I got, I got
3: green. I got purple. So use the purple one. Uh, the purple, the purple, what, um purple light is used for is to cloak your energy from negative entities. So the green, I'm not sure about that. So.
1: Okay. white
3: lights white light we use for cleansing and energizing uh and this is as taught by the college of psychic studies and actually i don't know if you guys are familiar where the white light comes from yeah that's it white light that, so where does the that'll white light... get rid of the ghost to get rid of the ghost uh why do you want to get rid of the ghost
4: me, me and them don't get along very well seriously i mean if you i mean if you contain the ghost in my house i mean we we do the little bit of uh cedar burning and uh yeah. Santo Anno burning Save. like every, no, we don't we don't use sage. We use my Reiki master sent me uh cedar and yeah, Santo yeah, Ano sure. or Paula Anto, something like that. Santa Paulo or, or the however the hell it is. Paula, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She sent me those and we use those, but I mean it basically makes the ghost stoned and they walk around according to mediums. Um
3: so the white light, um comes from the book, the Egyptian book, book of the, the Dead, if you guys now. want to look it up. So, um, and to get rid of the ghost, if you want to, if you want to get rid of a ghost, as you say, uh, which I think is quite rude, Scott.
1: That's what I think, too. Well, let him live. That, I mean, live right let him, you know, let, the, let him If,
2: live if I'm in a room that. for that, they can have the room when I'm gone. We're sharing. So, sharing is caring.
3: One of the best ways for a spirit to sort of leave is when they realize that they're dead, Okay when they realize that they're dead. So a lot of the times it's just easy, very easy to do spirit release when you actually engage with the ghost and not say, give me a sign and knock on a door and all these stupid things, but you actually have a conversation with him and you might not be talking, but you, you put it out there and it will be heard. And you ask things like, okay, so when was the last time you paid your rent? When was the last time you ate? Oh, Then they realize and that's when the moment kicks in; they're gone. Sometimes it takes more than that, obviously. Um, but they need to know their stories. They need to know that they're dead. And this is why. This is why when we're talking about the hospitals before, and you're under an anesthetics and you have surgery and you die in that state, you don't know that you died. So you tend to either go back home or hang out there because you don't know. You were you were in that state. Your chakras were out. Everything was. Was out, so you tend to hang out you know um but when you become aware that you died then that's the moment that they can leave
2: so
1: and that's a very that's, powerful moment just a conversation scott that's all you got to do
2: that's my next game plan next time I, I think there's I, a ghost just, when did you pay rent last get out of here
3: <laughs> can I uh, can I share just a one? It was a very endearing moment about this uh, in the corner. is a very quick one, um, but there was uh, one of my teachers shared uh, who was trained by Sue Allen, uh, the lady, uh, the book that I showed, and they had a little um, a little boy that wouldn't pass. Okay, that wouldn't pass into the other world and was hanging around. Now, a lot of people say, uh, "Well, I don't want to get rid of my ghost. I like him." But if if they don't go where they have to be, besides not getting eternal rest, spirits can become a shell for demonic entities and other things. This is something that people don't realize, okay? Uh, they can be possessed, too, if you want to look it up that way. But anyway, this little boy wouldn't pass, and he wouldn't pass. And Normally, sometimes you can call and somebody in the family to come and get them. That's usually, supposedly, what happens when you die. Somebody that you know, a relative will come and get you. But this little boy didn't want that. He wanted his dog and his dog came to get him. And he didn't He didn't pass until the dog came to get him. And that was one of the most moving stories for me. Well,
4: I, I mean, just watch The Conjuring too. Spirits can be controlled by demons.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
4: That damn yeah. nun, that damn none. That's why I don't trust the Catholic religion. Nobody does. I mean that and all the boy diddling, but.
3: <laughs> I think we should all go to the, to the Vatican and have a, a show there. Them. I swear, why the U.S. Army
4: hasn't invaded the Vatican yet is fucking beyond me. It's fucking beyond me. There's so much information in there. We can control the world. Sorry, Deborah. We control the world.
1: <laughs> well, guys,
3: I'll just put it out there. If you guys, uh, if you get the resources, I've got the language. I speak fluent Italian and Latin. So you know,
1: yeah. Let's nice. get a plan, guys. Nice. Let's get a plan. <laughs>
2: Uh we don't we don't want them knowing what we're saying. They we just wanna see our military screaming words they don't understand, going for the bookcase.
1: Yeah, you need her for the Once bookcase
2: I'm president. You
1: understand that, right? <laughs> That's Scott all be, I
2: care about. I don't Scott, want they keep all their art.
4: Scott will be in the front of the military with his AK forty seven and his pistol and one in each hand and ready to go. I want
2: I wanna see that library dude i don't think it's right that they have it all
4: i agree
3: have libraries have you guys come to ireland have you seen the library in, uh, in dublin the long room in trinity college it's amazing mm. i took
0: some great photographs of that when i was there a few years ago just spectacular
3: it's it's really nice it's really nice and did you did you get to because some people miss this one but if you come back to Ireland, there's a really special one where bram Stoker was and he was researching the maps for transylvania oh. for dracula Marsha's library okay. and Marsha's library is very very haunted but it has the actual uh, cages where you would be put to read a book because books are so valuable that they didn't want you to steal them. So they'd lock you up in a cage to read a book. It's really? quite, yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, Marsha's oh, Library, cool. it has a website. You can you can check it out, Okay. Um, but it has um, a haunting. Uh, there was an Egyptian mummy found there as well. So uh, lots of haunting ghost stories in Marsha's Library. Ooh, that's
2: okay. Cool. You've been everywhere, I, Michael. All yeah.
4: yeah, oh, well. right. He's a world traveler. We know that now, but, <laughs> and Helena, I'm just going to say, I want, I got to get you on my show.
3: Okay. Sure. Sure. That'd be a pleasure.
4: Be, I mean, I'm booked out till January at this point, but we'll def- I'm definitely going to get you on in the future.
3: Okay. Well, that'd be great. I look forward to that. And it's, uh, it's been great having you, uh, well, being here with you guys, you know, tonight, I mean, Deborah, I met you before Scott, I didn't know you, Michael and Jeremy. It's, uh, it's been fun. And, uh, you know i definitely look forward to uh coming back again if you guys want and uh, staying oh, in touch
4: you're more than welcome to come back anytime you like I yeah mean, this is great i want to hear Thank some you. of your free i want i want to hear i got well okay i'm saving those for my show but i want to hear freaking experience to my show <laughs> like I, I got trust me i got questions i ask people like you that are very specific really? and will make <laughs> make for the most interesting <laughs> stories to come out
1: Okay. Well, I look
4: Is forward to bird, that. Like not, not in any uh, not the way that the people my co-hosts are thinking about. So, you know, just saying. Do That's we need any wine Especially, right Especially Scott. He's Especially Scott. right now. Don't say Scott ever. <laughs> <laughs> Scott but, thinks that birds aren't real.
3: <laughs> really? not. The robots created by the government. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe who's, who knows? He's who gonna yeah. encourage
1: any of this, any of these <laughs> <things>. <laughs> Yeah, not,
0: not to interrupt that thought, but Helen, I wanted to congratulate
4: you on the book and your success.
1: Absolutely, oh, and thank you. That's so
4: impressive. sweet. Absolutely, and I'd be happy to promote on my show as well. and Congratulations thank on you. being a successful single mother as well, because that needs to be congratulated in my mind. So <laughs>
3: thank you. That's One that's
1: right. To we need you back because I feel like this conversation could just keep going and going. There's just so much more that we need to oh, know, I, talk I, about. And um yeah, you're fascinating. You've done, well, you've done all you. the things that like I think are exciting and I'd like to do, but you've done them. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome. well, well it,
3: it comes at a price it comes at a price i haven't had much of a personal life i have i must say so you know uh but uh oh, and i broke my leg i mean i'm recovering i don't know if you knew guys wow. i think i told you but i had yes, a double yeah. fracture yeah yeah wow. so uh, yeah but um yeah but with the with the templar books you might be interested to know that i am working in the paranormal with that so uh, it's not just history and uh, you know esoteric knowledge and stuff. I mean, I am being guided to things by spirits. Uh, and yesterday, I published some photos in Facebook because I went to visit their graves. Uh, and I sit there and I talk a lot. And, and Seth, the character of the book, who was the Freemason and Templar, uh, he's very much a real spirit, and I feel he's become like my guide in a way uh, because Beautiful. he has stuck around. So. That's really nice, humans working with spirits together. Um, it's nice. You know, it's not all about hunting the ghosts and, you know, uh, chasing them. And, and what I always say to investigators, if I can add this tonight before we leave, you know, um, if you're attracted by the paranormal, you know, um, as Lorraine Warren would have said, you know, make sure that you're doing this for the right reasons and that you give back, that you always give back.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Don't, be, don't be no damn Ghostbusters going out there throwing your proton packs trying to catch a ghost. That's not cool. That's not no, cool. It's not. Yeah. It's, not.
1: it's, it's, it's not. a cohesive relationship, and that's what it should be. 100%. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. Well, well, well
2: before, before we get out of here, it's yeah. October. Helena, mm-hmm. what is your Halloween movie pick for, for <laughs> this month?
4: What's your favorite horror movie and hopefully something Irish that we haven't seen?
3: Oh gosh. And we've seen whole. Uh, you've put me in a spot now. Um, all right. Um, if you want to go silent movie, um, silent movie, you could do The Phantom Carriage. Um, I would suggest that I like that one. You know why? The scene with The, the Shining with Jack Nicholson going through the door. A lot of people don't know that that actually comes from that Swedish movie, early silent movie. Uh, and I think it's quite more disturbing there. Uh, and um, I'll give you one I really like. Um, it's more modern. It's not so castle and haunted house. Let the right one in, but the Swedish version.
4: Ah, uh, I watched that. I did not like that movie. I don't know why. <laughs> the Swedish
3: one. You did not I like it.
4: This... Okay, well. One, if I'm gonna read subtitles in any Mm -hmm. fucking movie, it's gonna be the best movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. (laughs) And two, Mm -hmm. two, I, I, I we're we're doing a demon movie bracket on uh, my show eventually, but I just demon movies to me are so undersold and not realistic.
3: I liked it because I've I've been in Sweden a lot, um, and there's a very particular sound of snow. In winter and silence, that really is very eerie and only happens in Scandinavian uh, horror movies. And uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, I know that the subtitles is a thing, but then you could learn Swedish, you know. I mean, uh, I, 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 Spenska, so, you know.
4: <laughs> if that was true, I would have learned Mandarin by now. Thank you but
3: (laughs) they uh bear in mind that they spend uh half the year in darkness and especially in the northern parts they sometimes don't see the sun for uh quite a few months so if you're into vampires and really kind of um horrific stuff like that um yeah
1: Scandinavian movies um you mentioned
4: mentioned vampires and never has discussed guard the couch
1: i mean come on now (laughs) oh my god rude (laughs) But I I'm
3: um, I'm very much actually vampires. there? this? I had my card here. Um, oh here, just for fun.
4: The Draco.
1: What? Oh, the
4: Draco Society. I yep. love that.
3: Yeah. yeah. So I was a member of that. Um, so I I am involved in academic groups, uh, vampire studies, and and things like that. I will be doing a book on vampires. Um, I did have an experience uh, with vampires, and I'm not kidding you. So. Yes.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh man, that crazy.
3: would it have been the October story. It wasn't this. It wasn't one of these pseudo vampire experiences that you know people putting fangs on and uh, pretending yes. blood. No, it was. It was what made me join the College of Psychic Studies.
4: I, so I, I, I cannot wait to have you in my fucking show now, Jesus Christ.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I specialize. I don't know if you've seen that, but I do specialize in blood cults. So uh, there are oh. Freemasonry. Freemasonry again. We can talk about that. So
1: <laughs> okay, everybody, wow. stay tuned. Episode two is coming because you have to come back. This is just oh, thank
3: yeah. you. <laughs> well, a,
4: for for Scott's benefit, what, what do you know about Christmas uh, horror creatures?
3: <laughs> oh God, uh, Krampus and all that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: uh, that that's Scott's favorite favorite topic in this uh, paranormal.
2: Well, I'm not wearing my that... Krampus sweater. I was uh, going to be, but. <laughs>
3: I'll give you something that you guys won't know. It's not exactly horror, but since we're talking about Christmas, I think it's quite interesting. So, Saint Nick, where is he buried? Does anybody know? Because I do.
2: Well, they they supposedly have his bones. There was that fight between uh, Italy and the pirates, right? But is that really? They'll
4: come
2: in eventually. Like they were, they were using his bones as like miraculous. it would ooze, right? But is that really Saint Nicholas? Probably not.
3: No, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. So I found him in Ireland, uh, just outside of Durpoint Abbey, County uh, Kilkenny, um, and there was a Templar town there, and the Templars brought the bones of Saint Nick, and there's a grave that you see there, and all the historians agree that that is Saint Nicholas, and you see. It's like a papal sort of figure, you know, a priestly sort of religious figure. But you see two Templars behind him, guarding him. It's quite interesting. Um, and that grave is—it's a beautiful grave. And this is in uh, outside Jerpoint Abbey, which is a Cistercian monastery. Uh, and the Cistercians are connected to the Templars because the head of the order wrote the rule, Bernard de Clairvaux. So uh, it's a beautiful place, very eerie—the shapes, the carvings, you know. But that is believed to be by historians the grave of St. Nicholas. So, wow, cool, that's
2: amazing. That's where me and Michael got to go to eat our one chip challenge and do the Ouija board for the first time.
0: (laughs) That's right, we're gonna do the Ouija board in Ireland.
4: It's gonna be great. Oh, me and Deborah's
2: grave next week, everybody.
4: Me me and Deborah are gonna do their eulogy story after they do that, but you know.
3: <laughs> well, it's been. Uh, what are you guys doing for Halloween? Uh? Any plans? Oh, um, well,
1: we do a, Are you talking the show? Because we always do the scary, the horror,
3: Hi, the show, and personally, where are you guys going? I mean, because I'll be working. I won't be going anywhere.
4: On the
1: show, <laughs>
3: we're gonna, on the
4: on the show. We're going to be doing a most awesome and epic creatures and monsters of all time bracket. Oh. Okay. Part
3: one. Okay. Right. Well, send me we the are... uh, the link, and I'll share it on my on my page, and I'll share it with my with my fans and everything. So oh, that's great.
1: Beautiful. Thank you.
4: Well, awesome. Thank you. Well, Helena. Where can they yeah. find you? Where, where can they find your books? Where can they find everything about you? Just basically sell oh, wow.
1: yourself.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so my book's Amazon. Um, so, But the best place probably is on my Facebook page. Oh, I have a, a Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, and I think I will give you guys some links. I don't know if you're going to pull them up or or they have them or whatever. And then um, oh my, God. my website oh, is oh, www. yeah. www.helenab.scott <laughs> <laughs> So helenbiscott.com. Uh, my website has pretty much everything on it. Uh, I designed That's... it myself on top of that. So with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> I hate technology.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put this episode as a bonus episode of my show. So it'll definitely be Fair out right. there. And I'll, I'll make sure to you put your website in the description as well. Put
3: your please, name. please. And um, can you guys mention um, that I will be featured in the American Paranormal Magazine in November? There's a feature of me
4: so nice that is my dream is to sure get in there uh, well. I, I know few po- i've known a few podcasts i've gotten in there and i'm hoping to get mine in there eventually
3: oh well check it out so i will be there in november they just um showed me today the proof and i approved it so um i think it's mid-november when it comes out the 15th something like that so uh so yeah so anything i can do with you guys uh let me know i'm happy to to share all your stuff and uh you know any specials you do Thank or you. anything and if you ever come to Ireland, I mean, you know, let me
1: know. Well, absolutely. This Good. has been fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. We absolutely are um, scheduling a session to you because, yeah.
4: If we if we ever get to Ireland together, you'll know. I think the whole country will know by that point.
3: <laughs> Maybe we should we, do a special if we went to Ireland. Special broadcast from Ireland in you know, a haunted place. How about think, that? Or Roslin
1: Chapel know. or something in Scotland. Yes. yes. I, think,
4: I think Scott knew Scott kicked out of Ireland, but, you know.
2: That's send, not we, true, dude.
1: We have done. We sent Scott to uh, I'm, yeah.
2: I'm joining the IRA as soon as oh. I get there.
1: Oh jeez. You
4: are <laughs> but that, listeners. Oh, Scott, it's your pick next week, Scott. Since you missed the last episode, what topics oh, next week, Scott?
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> well, okay. This this might be fun. Mm-hmm. So remember when we uh when you left the podcast? No. And Deborah and I had to find some new co-hosts. Well, one of those groups didn't fucking like let my post go through until about three days ago. And we had some people comment on there, so why don't we let them come on and tell their ghost story?
1: I'm
4: am d- down for that 100%. And- one of the investigation
2: teams you're talking about? Hmm. Two well, just regular people, I think. What well, one of the dudes is one of the dudes is an investigator and then another guy said he didn't want to join the podcast but he could come on mm-hmm. for an episode but there's like three people that reached out. So Okay. Back right. up right. Ghost R- stories.
4: R- 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 Bring them on, Scott. That's a good Halloween episode Fall by the yep. bracket the final Sunday of the month. Let's fucking do it.
1: Okay, viewers, yeah. you ghost if you story. have a personal experience yep. and you want to get on, uh, hit us up comments or, or get us some the You can share your story. Or
4: get in contact with uh, us in somehow, some way. I'm sure you can. And uh, if you send us your ghost story, we'll read it in funny voices. So.
1: We do do that as well. <laughs> yeah,
2: back. I sent I sent my ghost story for the pixelated paranormal show. You guys should do that too. I'll ask them for some ghost stories.
4: Maybe we'll just do some ghost stories.
3: That's uh, I'm, always I'm fun.
4: D- I'm, I'm down for doing my voices again.
3: So, you know, you mentioned Christmas before, so the reading of ghost stories is very much a Victorian Christmas. tradition. Um, yeah. Trust um. me.
4: We- Last year, last year I got an expert that I had a my show on for our Christmas episode. She's an expert in everything Krampus and, oh, and
3: all, that,
1: Alberta.
2: all that. she
1: was fantastic, yeah.
4: Uh if I could remember her name right now, I would freaking Nissa Rissa. Oh, Rissa something. Rissa something. R-I-S-S-A, you'll find it. It's not many people that name, so but okay. until next week, uh strangers. Your your
2: favorite strangers
3: will be back next week. <laughs> it we pleasure, guys.
4: Cheers!
1: Thank, thank you.
4: you. Thank, thank you, you and everybody. Hi. Such a great uh, episode. We want th- we want to thank Helena for coming on one last time, of course. So, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. You can find me on Facebook as Jeremy Bryant, or you can find me as Uncensored, Unapologetic, and Untamed UQ Podcast Collective group, Facebook Group. You can find me on Twitter and the Instagram as at juggalobastard, or should I say X now? And you can find me on TikTok as at Podcast. You can also find me on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. And you can also find me streaming on YouTube as Blind Knowledge Network, because all knowledge is blind until they admit Bigfoot exists.